Good morning, church family. My name is Carson Lopes, and um, I've been asked to open this service with a reading from our passage today, and that will be Luke 2, 1 through 21. So if you guys wouldn't mind turning there with me. So Luke 2, 1 through 21, beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Cornus was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was in the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room available for him. Excuse me, them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock. An angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. Look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about the child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. When the eight days were completed for his circumcision, he was named Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived. This is Luke 2, 1 through 21. Thanks, Carson. Let's uh, say a word of prayer before we come to God's word. Father, we come to you and we say thank you. Thank you for your word that tells us the truth of your story and your plan. God, we are grateful that you have given us ideas about you, truth about you in your word. And Father, as we come and as we meditate on it, as we unpack it, as we see what it has for us, God, would we respond like those on that original Christmas night? Would we respond in a way that gives honor and glory to you? Would we respond in a way that contemplates what the results are for us? We thank you for that, and we ask that right now in your son's name. Amen. Merry Christmas. Hey, do me a favor. Everyone who has a cough, if you could just suppress it for the next 35 minutes or so, that would really help me out. And I will, tr- I will try and do the same. Thank you. Hey, we've been talking about, if you've been here or if you haven't been here, this idea of 
the music of Christmas, a Christmas playlist. And there's one song, and it's often affiliated with the Christmas season, and it's been used in a lot of movies, even Christmas movies, for that moment of discovery, that moment of revelation. Think of the moment, if you will, if you've seen it, where Clark Griswold finally gets his lights to work. He takes the plugs, right? And he plugs them together, and what happens? Hallelujah. That is a moment of victory, a moment of joy, enthusiasm, energy, glory. This is what I imagine was the soundtrack as the silent night of that first Christmas night was sort of violently interrupted by the angels arriving on the scene in Bethlehem, on that hillside where the brilliance of God's glory shone all around. The, the mood of that moment was a little bit different than the ones that we've been talking about, these previous incidents over the last several weeks. Think about Mary's song. Think about Elizabeth's song or Zechariah's songs. So they're, they're more introspective. They're more contemplative. And there are a great many moods and emotions that we find as we sing all of these Christmas carols during the season. <coughs> I failed. <laughs> we like our lullabies, right? Away in a manger. We like those haunting melodies, O come, O come, Emmanuel. But there's nothing like the songs that express that ecstatic energy at seeing Jesus for the first time. Joy to the world or hallelujah. Uh, you might remember this summer we looked at Moses' request. Show me your glory. And in this moment here in Bethlehem, God is once again putting on display his glory for everyone to see. Now in the stable, the scene was a little bit more common. It was something that happens thousands of times every day in hospital rooms all around the world. Now, every birth is a miracle. I'm not underselling that. Every birth is a miracle. But this birth on Christmas Day may not have been that much outside of the routine. The announcement of the birth though, outside of that hospital room that was that stable, was an unprecedented light show. As God incarnate is born in the most humble surroundings, God's glory is on display to this little group of shepherds. Can you imagine what it was like? We talk about it every Christmas, and somehow, uh, often, we just kind of take it for granted and I think even though the announcement might have superseded the actual event on that evening, Jesus' arrival pointed to the life-changing, miraculous truth of the good news for all people as God's glorious plan entered a new phase. When, when the angels appeared to the shepherds on the hills outside of Bethlehem, they sang this song and from it, we can learn the good news 
that is for all people. The angels were announcing the good news that Jesus had come to bring God's glory through the salvation of all people. Let's look at the chorus. Carson read it for us, but it's sung by this multitude of angels, and it highlights the good news. But the chorus answers the question, what is that good news? The heavenly host belts this out, the theme of the song. The theme of the song is the good news of the gospel. And if you want to follow along in your copy of God's word, you'll find it just there in verse 14. But I suspect that these words are really very familiar to you. I suspect that you don't even have to open your copy of God's word to see and remember them. First of all, I want you to notice that the good news displays God's glory. That's the first line. Glory to God in the highest, sang the angels. The good news is that God has made a way of salvation. He has come to reconcile men to himself, even as, as they've chosen, we've chosen to go it on our own. We've chosen to make our own way. And God had been promising this, if we're reading the story from the beginning, for thousands and thousands of years. And now at long last, his promises are starting to take root and come to fruition. To that end, Jesus, in the birth that we celebrate at Christmas, takes on flesh in order to make a way for men to come back into relationship with God. We sing about it in Christmas carols, don't we? One of my favorite lines in all the Christmas carols that we sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. It's a wonder that the glorious God of the universe humbled himself to become a mere human being. And he did so for you and for me. Not only is there a divine aspect to that good news, but the angels continue to sing about the human aspect. They sing glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. You see, the good news doesn't stop at the borders of heaven. It extends down to earth, but people, I think, so often misunderstand exactly what this means. The angels are making an announcement. They are not offering an entitlement. And so, peace does not mean that this good news is automatically applied to everyone. It's, it's not going to fix every problem immediately. The angels are making an announcement. They are not assigning homework. They are not saying work harder in order to make your own peace. Jesus brings peace. God is pleased with those who see and acknowledge Jesus' life and death and resurrection. Those, are, those who are his experience, peace with God through Jesus, the forgiveness of sin and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That is what the good news is. Uh, once, before Jesus, we were separated because of our sin. We chose to go our own way. But those who believe in Jesus receive his righteousness as their own, as a new pair of clothes to wear because Jesus lived the perfect life free of sin and because he had no sin of his own. 
Because he had no sin of his own, he took on our sin on himself in his death, and he offers us his righteousness in return. And then in his resurrection, he secures new life for those who believe so that we can live in a way that's pleasing to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I have peace with God. We bring him glory through this redemption plan. That's the chorus and the theme of this song that the angels are singing. It's the theme of Christmas and what a privilege it is, especially this year, to be here this morning worshiping together as we do every Sunday morning because it is our It is the cornerstone of our week. It is the priority of our lives. We come together to worship God's son, Jesus, just as the angels did on that very first Christmas night. We worship him for the great salvation that he brings. But but let's take a moment. Let's go back up to the first part of the song. You'll find it in verse 10. And there's this soloist that sings the verse of the song. He describes the good news further. And as we continue on, we're going to see that there are nine descriptions that the angels use. And we're going to go really quickly, don't worry. I'm not going to keep you here all afternoon until the candlelight service. But there are nine descriptions that the angel uses to help us understand this good news better and to apply it to our lives. These are the implications of the good news. Again, the song is in verse 10, but I imagine the words are very familiar to you. So number one, the good news is awesome. What is the first thing that the angel says? Fear not. It, it's a familiar word of comfort. Anytime we encounter an angel in, script, in Scripture, this is often the first thing that he says. In fact, we've seen it earlier on in the story already this season with both Zechariah and with Mary. Fear not. Anytime in Scripture there's an encounter with an angel, there is a moment of awe and terror. This is a heavenly being a representative of God. And on this occasion, if you look at the text, not only were the shepherds visited by that angel, but verse 9 says that the glory of the Lord shone around them. It's truly a hallelujah moment. I got to be honest. I've been reading this passage my entire life. I've been a pastor for 27 years. As I read that passage this week, it was like, That was brand new to me. Not only were they visited by angels, but the glory of God was there for this little band of shepherds. Imagine the terror at seeing God's glory. We've learned in recent months that to experience God's glory is dangerous, but it's awesome. And you and I think of Christmas as that time of joy and warmth, the crackling fire and the stockings hung by the chimney, and that's true. But it can also be a time of awesome impact. We see and experience the glory of God, and it calls us to worship and to respond. And, And we don't have to be afraid if we have peace with God. But being a child of God is to be in reverent fear. At Christmas, we sing about this various truth. In fact, I'm gratified because so many of these songs I'm going to mention, we've already sung this morning. We sang, oh, holy night, and we sing, oh, fall on your knees. 
Then later, let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, oh, praise his name forever. His power and glory evermore proclaim. It's an awesome experience. It's not an experience of abject fear for those of us who are God's people, but it certainly is a moment of reverence. Number two, the good news is joyous. The angel says, behold, I bring you good news of great joy. The good news that we've been talking about that's delivered by this angel is not just joyous news. Notice this, it is good news that brings great joy. I am guessing that if you are an average American, you have at least one piece of decor in your house that has that simple three-letter word on it, J-O-Y, right? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm confident of it. This word is so ever-present in this season that sometimes it loses a little bit of its meaning. What is joy? Well, in the first place, it's the opposite of fear. Fear not, good news of great joy. The angel urges the shepherds precisely because of the good news that is available to them that they should not fear. And I think oftentimes life brings us fear or maybe just dread or being overwhelmed. It might be as simple as uh, being afraid that we're going to miss out. And so we go from task to task to task, looking to something that's going to bring us purpose in life. That's the next dinner out or the next purchase or the next vacation. And so Christmas becomes that event on which we pin all our hopes of a joyous experience. But it's just the celebration and the meal and the family and the tradition and the presence. Or is it something more than that? No, it's, it's the coming of Jesus that brings us great Joy, And so we sing a song to that effect, right? We sang it this morning, joy to the world because we're going to eat really good food. Joy to the world because we're going to have a great time with lots of tradition. No, joy to the world, the Lord has come. And so I would ask you this morning, where is your joy stemming from? Is it from circumstances? The kids are going to be home, or I'm going to get time off work, or there's going to be memories that we're going to make and put in the memory book. All of those things can be taken away. All of those things will fade away. Joy in Jesus is permanent. The good news is universal. Look what the angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We don't just sing, hey, joy to me. We sing joy to the world. It's not limited to a select group of people. There's joy for everyone in the Christmas season. Make no mistake, though, the good news is specifically applied to a certain group of people. There's glory to God in highest and peace on earth to those with whom he is well pleased. So while the message is specifically applied it's not exclusive. Think about this group of shepherds who are the ones who see the angel and who de are delivered the message. Why was it the shepherds? They were outsiders. They had no influence. They were nobodies. But it didn't matter because the good news was for them and they understood that because they were the recipients of the good news that it was their job and it was incumbent upon them to take it to everyone else. That's what we see them do, by the way. 
in verses 15 through 21. They had been witnesses to this great occasion, and so their instinct was to go and verify. We'll see that, what they had heard. They went and worshiped the baby. And then they go out, and they're glorifying God, and certainly that was a public proclamation as they go out far and wide and talk about what they have seen. Friends, you and I are witnesses as well. And I wonder, we have witnessed Jesus. Are we being witnesses in our day? Does our experience of Jesus working in our life drive us to worship? Does it mobilize us to tell others in our circle what we've seen and what we've experienced in salvation? Right here, another Christmas carol comes to mind. It's this, go tell it on the mountain, over the hills, everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. I would suggest to you, as you're working that through in your mind, your testimony does not have to be fancy. It does not have to be intricate. It doesn't have to be theologically dense. It just has to be faithful to what you know from Scripture and what you've experienced in your life. Are you proclaiming that universal message? Look, just at the same time the good news is universal, look at the personal nature of the good news. There's good news of great joy that will be for all the people, and then the angel turns his attention, for unto you is born this day. The the good news is announced to those shepherds, even though they have no standing and no influence, they knew they were outsiders, but they took the news personally. Later on, we see Mary. She takes time to ponder these events, to contemplate them. The gift of Jesus, you see that in verse 19. And of course, it's personal to her. She's the mother of the baby. She's the mother of Jesus himself. She's the mother of the Savior. Think about this. At your house, you get a baby announcement in the mail. Do we, do we still do that? We still do that? I think we do. And it's a privilege because someone has thought of you. They've said to you, I want you to celebrate with me personally the gift that God has given to our family. What a privilege that is. But then social convention says this, that I know that when I get a baby announcement, that I go out and I buy a gift and I recognize that and I send it to the new family. We celebrate the new baby. The announcement of Jesus' birth was personal. It concerns you. You are getting that announcement in the mail. Not just because there's a whole holiday system around it, not because maybe you get a couple of days off. It's personal because it is news of God's peace that is available to you individually. Every individual person. But since it is individual news, every individual person must respond to the news on their own. It's not like the baby announcement that you get in the mail and you just think to yourself, well, I know my wife is going to take care of the gift and so I'll be included in that. Please sign my name to the card. It's not like that. The good news of God's peace is offered through Jesus to you individually and the response as well is individual. The good news is current. Look at this. For unto you is born this day. Hmm? 
today. The good news is not reserved for some future day of need. It's not just for Sunday or when you reach a certain age. There's a lot of people that think that they can wait until they're older, till I'm, you know, close to death, whatever that means. The good news, if the good news were only about the hope of heaven, that might make sense. But the good news is for you today. And so my question is, what is your response to Jesus today? There is no more important consideration. I will never forget when Jacob was born, he was our oldest. He's, well, he still is our oldest. <laughs> True, right? Yeah. And we were excited to celebrate with everyone. And uh, we had a bunch of students in our youth ministry. And they came to the hospital in droves. <laughs> it was a school day. Maybe that had something to do with it. Get out of school, go to the hospital. And after about 30 visitors in our little hospital room, the nurses just said, no, that's enough. Stop coming. <laughs> but that day was an exciting day. And certainly people could have celebrated with us later, but that moment was a special moment. We weren't going to wait to share our joy. We wanted to share it with everyone right now. I think we did. I did. Janelle might have said, maybe a little later would have been better, but... But it was awesome. It was in that moment that we were excited. By the way, the good news is also local. Look at what the angel says. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Now, geographically, we already know there were shepherds abiding in the same region. They were really close, closer than even the confines of this valley. I mean, Jesus was born over there, and the shepherds were right here. I mean, it was all within a couple of miles of one another. This is not news about some distant event that was happening hundreds or thousands of miles away. It wasn't the kind of news that you hear and you don't really have to react to because it doesn't really impact you. It was here and it was now. And for us, it is here and it is now and it must impact and affect the way I live my life right now. Just like Jesus will affect your life today, he will affect your life right here. doesn't just affect the things on the periphery, the things that don't really matter. It affects the things that are close and personal. What is your identity? What is your marriage built on? How do you handle your finances and your priorities? How do you set your priorities? I imagine that it's safe to say that in this crowd this morning that some of you are having family over, maybe even today, maybe even right after this service, but certainly over the next couple of days. And if that's true, I bet your house is as clean as it can be. You spent time cleaning because people are going to be in your space. Makes a difference, doesn't it? If you were just talking to your family on FaceTime, you could, you know, appropriately aim the camera so they didn't see your little piles of dirty laundry or your messy corners, but they're going to be there with you, and they're going to have access to everything. The good news is right up all in our business. 
Next, number seven, the good news is urgent. For unto you is born this day a Savior. Now, at church, we use that word salvation a lot, and the idea of salvation implies that we need to be saved from something. It implies that we are in danger. And so it is incumbent upon us to think about this. What do we need to be saved from? We don't like to think about that fact that we are lost or we are somehow deficient, but really, listen, it is a core message of the gospel. We are lost and we are in need. We are dead without Christ and we need new life. And if you are like me, and I know you are because the Bible tells us so, our instinct is self-sufficiency. I don't need anything from anyone. I will figure it out on myself, on my own. But it is our self-sufficiency that separated us from God in the first place. We went to do things our own way, and we messed it all up. Without a Savior, we are in danger of eternal separation from God. Without a Savior, we are going to receive the things that we deserve, and we are not going to like them. We are helpless to earn anything different other than death through our own effort. We will receive the consequences of our sin without a Savior. But Jesus saves. And he saves when we place our faith in him. We are in danger, and the only solution is the good news of the gospel that the angels are singing about in this song. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, if you have not submitted to his lordship, don't let the moment pass. Because this is what the song is about. This is what the good news is about. And what better day to declare your allegiance to him. There's another descriptor. The good news is familiar. This Savior, his name is Christ the Lord. His title, if you will, is Christ the Lord. The story that the angels are referring to and singing about is not just familiar because we come back to it and we say these same words and we uh, we look at these same stories every year. It is familiar because it is a story that has been written since the beginning of time. It is familiar because it is a story that we are, we are in right now and that we live right now. Even when we turn to the parts of the Bible, maybe you've done this on occasion, and there, the parts of the Bible that are not directly related to Jesus' life and ministry, all of those events are pointing at Jesus. See, Christ, when he says a Savior who is Christ the Lord, this word Christ is an ancient title that refers to the Messiah. We sang that, I think, greatest of Advent hymns this morning, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And that reminds us that the people of God are waiting and have been waiting for thousands of years for God to intervene in the world. And if we look at the story as it stands on paper right now, the people of, ancient, of the ancient world are waiting for Messiah to come and deliver them from Roman oppression. Likewise, you and I are waiting for Jesus to return and to finish the job of bringing peace to earth of freeing our world from sin's destructive and chaotic effects. 
Now, even if you are here and you are not a regular church attender this morning, you are here because you have an innate sense that there is something bigger than you in this world. People have a sense of the divine and it points to their, the need that exists in their heart. And the best thing that we can do is to continue to ask those questions. Why are things the way they are? Why is history unfolding the way it is? Who is God and what are his purposes for me? That's what we do here every single week. We are asking where we fit in this familiar story, God's story. And so I would encourage you, whether you are new to this church or whether you've been here decades, continue to open up God's word and read the Bible and understand his story. Continue to come to church. Continue to listen to the preaching and see where we fit in God's story. Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. It is so good to worship together and to have a full room and the, the volume of the songs is, is, is high. But when Christmas is isolated from the rest of the story, it isn't nearly as powerful and dramatic. Jesus isn't nearly as interesting when he's just a baby. The whole story of God's work to rescue and redeem humanity is compelling, edge-of-your-seat drama. And it is compelling because you and I are in that story right now. Last one, you ready? Number nine, the good news is verifiable. The angel tells the shepherds, and this, <coughs> excuse me, and this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. That's what he tells them. After the announcement, the shepherds, it's, it's sort of out there, it's this understood invitation that they would go and they would immediately verify everything that the angel had just sang to them. And they do, right? Verse 16, they went with haste after the light show. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger just the way the angel told it. Just as the angels had described it. And some may say to themselves, uh, I'm just not sure um, that everything that we've talked about, that everything I've heard about this Jesus is true. And I would say, go ahead and ask your questions. The truth of history can stand up to your investigation. God welcomes you to ask him to show himself to you. If you're a skeptic, ask your friends. Ask me. Ask God, show me the truth. I want to know, I want to understand, show me. This story will withstand critique and scrutiny. But mostly we're just invited to the manger to see Jesus. And we're meant to worship him. Jesus invites skeptics and he invites worshipers. Both in this season. I think the only thing that has no place at the manger is casual interest and apathy. And so we sing this, we sing that song, O come all ye faithful. And the chorus simply says this, O come let us adore him.
Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning because this is a special time of the year, yes. But we come this morning because it is Sunday and Sunday is a day to worship you together. Thank you for the opportunity. Father, thank you for the story of Jesus at Christmas. It is not in any way, shape, or form the way I would plan it out. But God, in your great wisdom, you planned it out exactly this way for your purposes. And we are grateful because it is a story that points to your glory. It is a story that points to your glory because in your wisdom you did it your way. And God, it is a story that points to your glory because it is the way you've chosen to redeem mankind. We're thankful for that. We sing together in this Christmas season in response. And we sing in worship to the baby in the manger who grew up to be uh, the one who lived a perfect life, never having to have any sin in himself, taking on our sin at the cross and raising again to offer us new life in you and a way back to reconcile ourselves to you. We thank you for your son. We thank you for this moment that we celebrate in a unique way today. Amen.